Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Thursday, September 24th. S&P futures are trading down about 10 points. That is about 35 basis points. NASDAQ futures are down about 68 points. That's about 60 basis points. So you're seeing un- further underperformance in tech versus uh, the broader market. In Europe, the major indices are down 80 to 90 basis points. The selling is relatively broad. You are seeing an anti-cyclical bias. A lot of your epicenter stocks, so travel, leisure, aerospace, are underperforming. Tech is also getting hit in, in Europe. Uh, so broad weakness in Europe. The major indices in Asia finished in the red pretty much across the board. So as far as news today out since the U.S. closed on Wednesday, there's not much. You had two central bank decisions in Europe. Both were in line with expectations, non-events. German IFO is the only real economic number, also non-event. You have a couple of very minor small M&A transactions. Doesn't really matter for the macro picture. And then in terms of earnings, really not much um, in to kind of talk about as far as macro uh, macro implications are concerned. Um, obviously, I have everything compiled in the piece this morning. Um, so it's really kind of just a lot of the bigger, broader macro themes. Um, and all of these are very much consistent with, I think, where things stood at the close yesterday. So I would say just kind of grouping the main uh, categories of news in order of importance, election logistics have come to uh, have become the most important macro topic, at least in my conversations with investors. It's not so much who is going to win or, or wh- who would be better, Biden or Trump, for markets. It's more when will the market know who wins uh, the November 3rd election. Um, that That is is by far, I think, kind of the biggest area of, of concern last um, in the last 72 hours. And you saw yesterday, Trump was giving his, his kind of daily open mic press conference um, and said again that he would not commit to a peaceful transfer of power if he were to lose. Um, there was a big article on the Atlantic yesterday morning, um, very about 45 minute um, article in terms of the time to read it, um, that walked through a lot of the kind of dire scenarios as far as what could happen in the days and weeks after November 3rd. Um, I summarized a lot of that in a piece I put out yesterday afternoon and, and gave some of my own thoughts around it. Um, but that is by far, I think, the biggest area of concern right now. It's not so much, again, will it be Trump or Biden who's better for markets, but it's more how will this all unfold um, after November 3rd? Um, so that's kind of topic number one. Topic number two, obviously, is the election outcome. So once people get comfortable with the election logistics, there is the, the question of you know who's going to win, who's going to win the White House, who will win the Senate, what will the implications be for policy, et cetera. You still have the the poll figures nationally approximately the same. Biden's up high single digits nationally. He's up about four points within the battlegrounds. Some battlegrounds are a lot tighter than others. Florida in particular is obviously crucial for Trump. There is no map that exists for Trump to get to stay in the White House without Florida. Um, you can see this in a lot of the policy actions he's taken in the last week or so with concerning Puerto Rico, concerning Cuba. Um, Florida is absolutely crucial. He had a very favorable poll yesterday, Trump did, in ABC Washington Post that had him up four points in Florida. So that obviously will be very much in focus, uh, that, that, that state. 
Um, you know, again, I think the optimal outcome as far as markets are concerned would be Biden and then a strong GOP majority in the Senate. Um, it's looking like Biden, again, This, if, you, if it were held today, he would most likely win. Um, as far as the Senate is concerned, I, th- I think Republicans will lose at least a couple of seats, um, if not the entire majority. And so a blue sweep would be a negative outcome for markets. Um, again, I think not only would... Um, you know, not only could the the Senate majority uh, get turned over, but I think you also have a uh, growing chorus of people in uh, on the on the Democratic side of the aisle who are in favor of abolishing completely the filibuster. In which case, if you have Biden and then you have Pelosi staying in power in the House, um, you know, you could have uh, you know some pretty dramatic shifts as far as policy is concerned with without the filibuster. So. Um, you know, I think those two things, just the election election logistics and then and then fears of kind of a full blue sweep um, are certainly not helping sentiment. Uh, so that's kind of, I think, top number one by far is just the the upcoming um, political climate in the U.S. And then obviously on this coming Tuesday on the 29th, you have a big catalyst with the first debate um, away from politics in, in terms of covid. Um you know the markets have not been as sensitive to case figures as they have, as was the case back in March and April. So again, in the U.S., you had a sharp spike in June and July that abated it in August and early September, and you are seeing case numbers creep up again in the U.S. Um, you know, again, I don't think that's really kind of the the prime factor. I will say though that stocks are still very sensitive to the New York City tri-state area, and you have seen in New York City a mild increase in cases. You had De Blasio make some relatively concerning remarks yesterday morning, just talking about how you know there are some alarming clusters in New York City that that bear watching and that and that require vigilance. Um, you know, again, I think stocks are very sensitive to New York City, so that did not help um, yesterday in terms of just broader sentiment on the vaccine front. It's very, it's very kind of consistent with what we've been saying now for for several weeks. So Johnson and Johnson entered phase three trials yesterday. It was widely expected to do that by the end of September. So now you have four main candidates in phase three, including J and J. So you have J and J, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, and then Moderna. The AstraZeneca trial is still on hold in the U.S. Keep in mind, um, again, that it, it. Most people assume it will it will resume relatively quickly, but you know it's been now a couple of weeks since it's been placed on hold. Most people assume you will hear that one or more of these vaccines is safe, effective um, by either the end of November. I'm sorry, by the end of October or early November. Pfizer is likely to be the first to know that. Um, Pfizer will probably make a declaration before the election. Um, in terms of FDA approvals, you know uh, the emergency use authorization, then a full FDA approval. There's been a lot of noise about this, especially the um, the emergency use authorization. I think markets are going to kind of ignore all that and really just look at the underlying data and then make a determination based on um, you know the actual data on efficacy and safety as to whether or not these things will really make a difference. In terms of when the FDA will approve or not, um, you know, I think again, there's obviously I think a lot of pop, um, you know political pressure that is that is being applied to that process, but the data is the data and that's I think going to really what's what will drive um, market perception. Um, you know, I think though that vaccines again are kind of a, a 12 month story. I think in the near term, these rapid tests that a lot of companies, Roche and Abbott in particular, that could really move the needle as far as changing economic behavior, especially in a lot of these epicenter industries such as travel leisure. So if you can really see an aggressive rollout of those, those rapid tests, that will matter more, I think, than, um, you know, vaccines will. So that's, those are two big issues to watch. And just as far just, you know, heading back to the case figures, 
again, you're seeing politicians around the world are not resorting to the March and April type of wholesale lockdowns. They're being much more surgical in terms of the mitigation steps. They're targeting the very high risk activities, um, you know, uh, restaurants, bars, et cetera. Um, and so I think you, you know, markets don't have to worry about a complete shutdown of economic activity again. Um, you know, as you see case figures kind of creep higher in Europe and the U S so that is the COVID narrative, um, you know, on fiscal policy, no change. So again, I think you're not going to get pre-election, uh, incremental pre-election fiscal stimulus markets are widely assuming that already. So that's really not a major risk. Um, you know, you can see post-election fiscal stimulus, depending obviously on what happens with the election and when the election results are known. Um, and again, I don't think markets need to worry about a shutdown. You're going to get this this short-term CR passed that will provide funding for the government until December 11th. The odds, though, of a shutdown in December are relatively elevated um, and could get higher depending on how everything turns out with the Supreme Court and the election. So, um, you know, shutdown risks are non-existent for now, but they certainly, I think the risks are, are high for later in the year. Um, and then on monetary policy, again, nothing really incremental today to say on that front. Powell will be on Capitol Hill today, third time this week. Again, I think his messaging has been very consistent as far as what he's saying. Nobody should be blaming the Fed um, for what's happening in markets. The Fed is extraordinarily accommodative. They are not going to raise rates for years and years to come. They're buying $120 billion a month of assets. Um, you know, Again, I think if anything, it's just the market had misplaced faith in the Fed. And then, and then I also think that you know, the market has been inappropriately using this historical playbook that ties yields to multiples. And I think, as I've written on several occasions, um, I do not think that you can make that correlation in this current environment, at least on a completely linear basis. Um, as you've seen in other markets like Japan and Europe, where you've had extreme monetary policy for extended periods of time, the relationship between yields and multiples breaks down in those types of environments. And that's, I think, also going to happen in the US. It is happening in the US. So those are the main ma macro kind of uh, themes in terms of the tape. As far as kind of where this all ends, um, you know, again, I think tech has was the driver of the rally throughout the spring and summer. Tech broke down back on September 4th. The NASDAQ did, and it really hasn't recovered since. So I think the psychology around tech has shifted. You are not seeing um, investors kind of blindly dive back into tech and, and bolster the indices. And that's obviously a big problem. And you also are not seeing people confident enough to kind of go into cyclical value to offset what's happening in tech. So you know, I, I think for a while, people were kind of playing the cyclical versus growth game. Um, you're really seeing investors not find either appealing at the moment. And that's obviously um, why you're seeing kind of these broad risk off types of price action. Um, and you just, you, there's not a lot of valuation support either. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm relatively confident in the earnings um, power of, of, of corporate America. You know, I think that they've demonstrated an ability to perform reasonably well outside of those epicenter industries throughout this pandemic. The question is, what price do you want to put on that earnings stream? So, um, you know, 19 times on next year's earnings forecast gets you to about um, 3150, which is not too far below these levels. But 19 times is still not a you know a very cheap quote unquote multiple. So the absence of valuation support is another reason why you know you, I you're, I think you're going to continue to see some of this sluggish price action. Um, just quickly on the calendar for today, it should be quiet. Again, Mnuchin Powell are on Capitol Hill. Trump is going to be making some type of healthcare speech. Um, uh, even even kind of White House officials that are quoted on it call it more just a marketing campaign than anything else. He'll make some type of announcement about pre-existing conditions, but that shouldn't really matter much. And you have a couple of earnings before the open Accenture. 
Jable, Carmax, and Darden Restaurants. And after the close, you have Costco earnings as well. Um, and that is essentially it for today. Thank you for listening.